Welcome to Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast. I'm your host, Luke Darnell. Next week is American Royal Week, baby, the biggest barbecue competition in the world. It's like being trapped in a barbecue snow globe. So next week, we're going to have four episodes for you as everyone is driving to KC. But we're going to get the party started off this week with, this fella doesn't really need an introduction. He's won Memphis in May more times than most people have attended. He's won the Invitational to Royal, and he's just one of the nicest people that you'll ever meet, in barbecue or anywhere else. So please join me in welcoming Chris Lilly from Big Bob Gibson's. The Barbecue League is the ultimate barbecue experience, and here's why. One small annual investment from you instantly unlocks all 70-plus tell-all recipes, enthusiast recipes, restaurant tours, and more in their unmatched library. This isn't your typical YouTube-type content. World champions like Getting Basted, Shake and Bake Barbecue, Heavy Smoke Barbecue, La Pasadita Barbecue, and 913 Barbecue share their full tell-all recipes. No secret is left unsaid, and a new video release is guaranteed every single week of your membership. You'll also see unfiltered looks from all levels of pitmasters during their live competition coverage. And those same pitmasters are accessible through the league's upbeat online community. As soon as you sign up, You'll also have a full arsenal of some of the best discounts in barbecue from brands like Snake River Farms, Blues Hog, Big Papa Smokers, Gunter Wilhelm, Gateway Drum Smokers, and more. The Barbecue League puts on members-only contests throughout the year, hosts live and virtual events, and offers a full-access league lounge at participating events. Our listeners to this podcast can receive $10 off of the $100 annual membership this month only well, this month and leading up to the Royal, by using the code AugustPitmaster on thebarbecueleague.com. That's AugustPitmaster on thebarbecueleague.com. You don't want to miss this content and all of this learning. It is one hell of an investment. So it is my esteemed pleasure to have with us this week on the Pitmaster podcast, Mr. Chris Lilly from Big Bob Gibson's Barbecue. How are you, my friend? Doing fantastic, Luke. Appreciate the invite to join you on this show. Can't wait to talk a little barbecue and catch up. Yeah, it's it's a fun little show. I ask I ask some different questions. Everyone obviously knows how successful you've been, you know, not only in the competition arena, but in the uh, barbecue business and barbecue celebrity arena as well. I one of the things I always try and do is try and recall the first time that I met somebody. And I believe the first time that I met you, I was sitting at a restaurant in Orange Beach, Alabama, after barbecue final turn-ins at the World Food Championship. Wow. That was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in 2016, and yeah. my, te- my team had left, and I believe it was, it was Michael McDearman saw me sitting there, and he was with you, and he brought you over. You guys asked me if I was the one that made the lobster bacon mac and cheese. I remember. <laughs> and and I'm sitting there, I was all starstruck and like and half drunk because I my team had left me and I'd been just sitting there sipping some bourbon and uh and I was like, Yeah, that was me and you were like, That was great. So I, that was the first instance that I could come up of when when we actually met each other. Um, well, you put out some great food that day and <laughs> Pretty close to, I mean, pretty close to a win. Did you, uh, what'd you finish overall in that contest? In the, in the final, we ended up finishing fourth. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. 
which was such a surreal experience being surrounded by all of those great chefs and you know people who were classically trained and my friend from Hawaii kept calling me chef and I'm like please stop you know <laughs> <laughs> I tell you the the food was absolutely amazing that day and uh, the barbecue did not let me down so it was it was pretty awesome Luke so everybody when when we're eating the barbecue everybody looked at me all the judges looked at me like you know, is he going to smile? Is he going to keep eating? <laughs> you know, so I did you proud on the judges end, without a doubt. But you know, that just the the different kind of food in that contest was was amazing. I still remember a a turkey tail soup, turkey tail was, chili. Yeah, turkey tail chili was was absolutely outstanding, and to be such a you know just sort of a home style ordinary meal it was it blew me away yes that was uh liz kratz who made that um and she that was one of the best things about that was you know she and i are still really good friends and we met that weekend and uh stayed in touch and yeah everybody that's been involved with that has, has really been fantastic oh yeah we'll give her my best Luke. <laughs> i will i will but food sport in general has brought a lot of people together and you know, created a lot of opportunities for people. You and I were talking briefly before we got on about the American Royals coming up. What does the Royal mean to you? Oh gosh, it's one of those classic barbecue contests that I would absolutely hate to miss. And I think I've only missed one American Royal since, oh gosh, let me go back, 1999. I've been doing the Royal a long time. So, um, I think our first year was 1999, and the only year I missed, well, outside of last year, of course, <laughs> but uh, my son got married, so I uh, couldn't pull it that year, so uh, it's going to be good to get back and knock the dust off the cooker, recipes, and, you know, it's been two years since I've cooked a KCBS contest, so I uh, got to be a little rusty, but can't pass up the opportunity to go to the Kansas city and see all my barbecue friends that, you know, I haven't seen in a couple of years. It's, it's a great experience. And I encourage every new team that wins a contest. My biggest thing to them is I know it seems like a big deal, but you've got to make your way to Kansas city for the American Royal because it's the way I describe it is it's like being trapped in a barbecue snow globe. <laughs> True. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're in there and, and you're, you're with, you know, everybody from barbecue land and it's, you never know who you're going to find walking around the corner. And I just, the last time in 2019, when we were there, uh, was the first time that we went where we hadn't qualified for the invitational. And I had made a vow to myself that I would never miss it again. Just like you. I, I don't, you can't, can't not want to be there. It's, it's just such an experience. You know, it's, uh, you know, my stage of, of my barbecue career, I guess, it's, it's the people. It's the people that keep me coming back. It's not, uh, I don't go to the American Royal to, uh, well, I do try to win a grand championship. <laughs> I'm, I'm there to see all my friends and, uh, and hang out and have a good time is my main purpose. Now I was I had the recent uh, pleasure of going to your restaurant down in uh, Decatur, Alabama, and walking in the door and being surrounded by all those world championship trophies from Memphis in May was uh, was quite the experience. But it, it was an even better experience having the food and the service that we did. Um, 
and you guys do a fantastic job, which leads me to kind of my first question is, you know, you're so consistent through, you've been so consistent throughout the years and, and confidence and confident. Where does that confidence come from in terms of barbecue? I think without a doubt, it's preparation, you know, whether that, uh, whether I'm speaking to the restaurant or speaking to competition circuit, uh, in order to get that confidence, you have there. And, you know, because I don't run the circuit or cook a ton of contests, you know, I've got to, to use the, use the restaurant as a tool, you know, and practice and cook some things and try out new flavor profiles and stuff. And I'm in the restaurant every day cooking, not so much for the restaurant, because I've got some fantastic pit masters and fantastic cooks that have been with us, uh, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years that uh, do a lot of the everyday cooking at the restaurant. But uh, I'm always there. I'm always working on new recipes, new flavor profiles, uh, getting inspiration from when I travel all over the country. Uh, so, so yeah, yeah, it's all about preparation uh, when you're cooking to give you that confidence and putting out some fantastic stuff. Yeah, and I think that's great advice for anybody that's looking to improve their confidence is to make sure you have everything in the right place. Make sure you have as much done as you can heading into the event. That way your brain is clear to make the decisions that you need to. No, without a doubt. And I've said it a hundred times, and you probably heard me say it. The greatness of a pit master is directly proportional to the size of your ash pile. Which, where you cook, more cook more wood you burn, the more charcoal you burn, your bigger, bigger ash pile gets. It all comes down to just doing it, getting in there and getting dirty and cooking barbecue. The more you cook, the better you get. Right. And this has been a lifelong career for you, correct? It has. I got into the business in 1991. So uh, since then, it's been an everyday affair for me. So yeah, I met my wife in college and just so happened, her great grandfather was Big Bob Gibson, who started our restaurant Decatur back in 1925. So, uh, so now it's uh, now I'm at the restaurants. I've got two sons involved, and uh, I'm a new grandfather. I've just got two uh, baby boys, uh, uh, one Jacobs and one Andrews, and uh, look like uh, six generation pitmasters if I keep my fingers crossed and everything works out. Yes, and I forgive me for not congratulating you on that uh, from the beginning. It was on the sign when we went a couple few weeks ago. Welcome to the family, and that was that was pretty cool to see. <laughs> it's probably uh, it's probably still on the sign. We're just as slow as changing that sign as we are cooking barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> One a lot of people like to talk about all the successes that we have in competition barbecue. I like to talk about the failures. Do you have a favorite failure of yours where you really, really gummed something up and it, but it taught you something that you, you, that you hold dear still to this day that helps you prepare for a contest? Wow. I guess there's been so many failures and uh, so many, uh, you know, where I, where I come up short, you know, whether that be competition or just experimenting in my backyard. So um, does one jump out? Yeah, there's been a couple instances at the American Royal where um, I'm cruising to a GC and, uh, you know, screw up the last category. Back uh, in the good old days, it was sausage. You know, sausage was an official category. That used to be uh, my Achilles heel is sausage at the American Royal. 
Uh, I think I think I often overthought it and tried to do too much. Whereas if I had just found a really good sausage and cooked that up and uh, you know grilled it to perfection and put it in the box, I think I'd have been a lot better off. But I think I was on the tangent of trying to make it myself and do everything from scratch. Uh, when sometimes that's not the best way to go. So. <laughs> But I gosh, Luke, there's been so many failures and so many. I wish I could have had that over, you know, too too numerous to name. I know the sausage category is, it's a kind of a microcosm of a lot of the questions that we all get when we do this competitively. And everybody wants to know, did you make your own sausage? Did you make your own sauce? Do you make your own rubs? And uh, a lot of times people are sad at the answer. And when the, when the answer is like, no, there's a guy that makes a rub and a guy that makes a sauce that they're way better at it than I ever would be. So, <laughs> you know, the, the interesting thing, and you know, you think you're a competition cook and you go and you turn in and you cook the exact same recipe at one contest and the next, and you know, you finish first and you finish 15th, you know, and you, you complain about that. I think sausage magnifies that in that, uh, in that uh, we have one, sausage at the American, American Royal. We've won world champion sausage. And I think we've been doing the same thing and the same recipe for, you know, the next three or four years, <laughs> you know, coming in a hundred something and 200 something. <laughs> so sausage is one of those tricky ones without a doubt. <laughs> so are you a superstitious fella? No, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, you don't have any uh, habits or rituals or routines that you have to do during your competition? My only habit or ritual is getting my butt prepared to cook the contest before the contest. You know, uh, and that means trying to, to eke out enough time to do a practice cook because doing two contests a year, Memphis in May and the American Royal, you know, that's it for me and they're totally different. So, yeah, it's, it is all about getting ready for that contest. And, uh, if I, if I'm not prepared, then, uh, but rituals, superstitions, no, no, no same clothes, no same hat. You take it as it comes. Wow. That's great. That's great. I'm trying to eliminate as many of those things as I possibly can just because <laughs> <laughs> I have too much other crap to worry about Luke, <laughs> and not, not forgetting my, and I forget too much, you know, it's one of the, if I forget my lucky hat, if I don't have a lucky hat, then, uh, you know, I'm that much ahead. <laughs> Are you a music guy when you cook? L love music. I absolutely love music. Yeah. Sure what are you do. listening to? Oh, gosh. I, I like uh, now I'm sort of in a sort of uh, folk rock sort of vibe. You know, maybe a little Tyler Childers or something like that is, is probably what I'm listening to now. Um, but, you know, down that... Uh, you know, down that road. So, yeah. That's cool. My wife and I have a playlist that's all the same songs that we listen, <laughs> we listen to it every contest. And there's a, if somebody wants to add a song, you know, it's got, it has to have universal approval to make the oh, list. Wow. So <laughs> I bet that's an eclectic mix. It is. And it, but it can get quite, uh, there's some arguments have happened. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Oh, wow. But uh, yeah, I love music and uh, it is, it's always on except for around uh, turn in time. I want all my focus on the, on the blind boxes and things and my cooking. So uh, I'll usually cut it back then. Right on, right on. Let's move the sticks a little bit and talk about 
some gear. What's one of the best or most worthwhile investments that you've made in competition barbecue? Wow. You know, that's crazy because my gear, especially if I'm changing recipes and doing different things, which I do a lot, I hardly ever stick with the same recipe because I'm always trying to find that next advantage. My gear changes. So, yeah, it changes, you know, across the board when I'm doing competitions and things. In my backyard, it's nothing special, without a doubt. You know, I have my heavy gloves. I have a big, huge, thick spatula and my thin spatula and my grill grates and my my, uh, grill pans and, you know, all the the necessities, things like that. Internal meat thermometer, got to have one of those, uh, don't you, Luke? Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, my, my gear is pretty standard. I don't use a lot of thermocouples and, uh, you know, digital readouts and uh, Bluetooth and anything like that. I'm more of an old school, you know, put it on, just let it roll, pull it when it done, when it's done, you know, in competition, I'm a, I, I look at everything and I fine tune everything, but, uh, for the most part in the backyard, um, you know, it's all about chilling, hanging out with friends and everything, but my gear changes. Yeah. <laughs> Got to have my charcoal. You know that I lean toward my hickory sticks. So, uh, yeah, I charcoal and hickory the grills don't necessarily matter. Uh, I've cooked on just about everything in my life, you know, from cinder block pits that, uh, you know, build from scratch or, you know, from up until the, the big rigs, which I'm still cooking on a Jedmaster smoker. Now, a lot of your audience probably says, what the hell is that? But <laughs> a lot of your guys that have been around a while know what Jedmaster is. Uh, they don't make them anymore. It is a rotisserie charcoal pit where the fire is directly under the rotisserie. So you get a lot of drippage. You get the uh, fat rendering from the, from the pork and the ribs and the chicken falls directly in the coal. So you get sort of get that charred moisture. Think of it as a uh, something similar to a um, a drum, you know, mm-hmm. that drippage. You get that direct fire uh, flavor, but you know, it's it's a rotisserie, so it's huh. what I absolutely love. Probably one of my absolute. Well, it definitely is my favorite cookers, the, the Jedmaster. I've got a little three rack rotisserie in my backyard. And when I go in contest, uh, I've got a eight rack and a, that I'll that I'll carry depending on where I'm going. So, so yeah, love the master smokers. Very cool. Is it going to be in Kansas city? Yeah, definitely. It'll be in Kansas city. Uh, I don't think I've cooked uh, American Royal without the, without the Jed master. So some of your people out there that swap up all the time, you know, they've gone from, you know, jambos to drums, back to jambos to Weber's to all sorts of pretty much stuck with the Jed master. Um, you know, when I used to do the King of the Smokers out in California, you know, the Starling Balls contest, uh, I would just pick whatever, you know, he had out there. So I uh, changed it up out there. So, yeah, cook on just about anything, I guess, <laughs> as long as, as I have, anybody would be comfortable. That's cool. It's And I, it's funny when people are starting out and they're always, what should I cook on? What should I cook on? And that's kind of a relationship that you have to build yourself with the cooker that you're comfortable with. And I tell people all the time, you know, cause I, I switched from backwoods to a jambo and they were like, well, that had to be easy for you. And I'm like, no, it was not it's a completely different style. 
I would say that those are probably as close to the opposites as you could get a water belly cooker and then a jambo, uh, you know, stick burner uh, because of the airflow. It's so different and you're cooking with a different heat and fire heat as well. So uh, there's a lot of factors you would have to change going from the, from the backwoods to the, to the jambo. So yeah, that'd be a tough switch right there, Luke. Nice job, brother. <laughs> <laughs> thank you it was uh it was fun and it's been fun to learn how to cook on on the jambo and you know and mess around with these drums a little bit that's also a good time it really you know i've been trying to become more involved as a mentor to some people that are up and coming and they always ask me so i'm gonna ask you what were some of the best decisions that you made when you first started competing wow you know, I think first and foremost, you need to go to a judging class or a judging seminar and take that. If you haven't, that, that would be first step. In order to cook a competition, have a chance at winning, you got to find out what the judges are looking for. Uh, so definitely go there. The other thing I would tell somebody new is uh, go to a contest and walk around, you know, make some friends or visit some friends and uh, ask to taste. Don't be bashful. I, you know, looking back in my career, I think it was the second contest I cooked. I still remember this. And, and it's really one thing that sort of changed uh, the direction I was going and really me to improve my barbecue uh, more than anything. But I was in, uh, in Mississippi cooking and I had one automatic to Memphis in May to cook. And I was absolutely just blown away. But I, so I wanted to do a prep contest and went to, to Mississippi and cooked, we're cooking whole pork shoulders because it's MAM contest back then. And um, I was cooking beside Pat Burke, you know, back then it was Tower Rock Barbecue. He came in first and I came in second place. And after the contest, he invited me over and he let me taste some of his pork. And I knew instantly when I tasted his pork that one, he deserved to beat me. His pork was better than mine. And two, if I didn't change the, my flavor profile and go in a different direction uh, that I would never win uh, a, a Memphis and May contest. So uh, that one taste really put me in a different direction, changed my entire flavor profile. Uh, and I started winning consistently in pork after that. Um, so you can't, I mean, uh, the more you talk, the more you taste, the more you meet people. And, uh, you know, it's definitely going to help out in your cooking. And then third, uh, get out there and cook and try, try different things. First, learn how to cook and then learn how to flavor um, because most people go straight to flavor and, uh, and, and never really learn how to cook and how to pull something and know when it's perfectly done. So um, that would be my advice. Wow, that's great advice. And Pat, Pat Burke is one of the names that keeps coming up in all of these uh, interviews with you, Darren, Melissa, you know, he, his name is, is prevalent. And, uh, it's somebody I really, really, really would like to get his story and have it on here. I think it would be a really good time. A selfless guy, but a very confident guy, but, uh, yeah, he, he never, he would never turn you away if you're asking barbecue questions without a doubt. Good dude. <laughs> so you've been around, for a long time and you've had a lot of influences in your life i would imagine who's impacted your life the most in competition barbecue hmm 
you know, I guess, uh, you know, I guess Pat Burke would be one of those names. Uh, it would have to go back to a lot of the people that, that, that were cooking when I started out. And, um, you know, back then, Myron Mixon, he was cooking. He was young. He started cooking back uh, competitions just before I did. So probably Myron Mixon impacted me because of the competition aspect and you know, going back forth and uh beating him and him beating me so i was a certain drive that uh you know if i could uh if i could beat myron then um then i've had a you know good day and you know it's been a good competition and more than likely uh you know we carried some trophies home so <laughs> let's see what else who else was out there i think another one would have to be uh gosh what was the name of his team i'm going way back uh george with uh power pig maniacs and a lot i know all of your all of your listening <laughs> who in the hell is that so anyway but he was oh he was doing so good uh when we first and and all of these go back to the because i was uh I was cooking on the MIM circuit before I started cooking on the KCBS circuit, but he had won Memphis in May a couple times. What a good guy. I actually did, cooked a judging seminar with him where I cooked uh, some stuff for the judges and he did. And we did uh, presentations for the people that were, uh, that were going through the judging class to try to help them out. Just uh, something we did back then, but, but yeah, good guy. Buddy and Mimi Richardson with a team called Chances Are. They're from Tennessee he was a heck of a whole hog cook and uh, talk about a fantastic uh, friend and a guy you could sit down and talk barbecue with all day uh, was Buddy Richardson. So um, those are a few names. So, yeah. That's great. I'm going to have to look up. There's a couple that I didn't know. So I'm going to have to look them up. I'm... <laughs> yeah, you're a young <laughs> chap, Luke. <laughs> I'm talking about my grandkids and cooking barbecue back in the early nineties. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And this is a hard question, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because in terms of barbecue and your name has been brought up several times on this podcast as an answer to this question. When you hear the word successful in terms of barbecue, who's the first person that comes to mind? It's hard when you're the answer sometimes. No, no, no. I would say, you know, I would say, I would say my father-in-law, Don McLemore, uh, without a doubt, because uh, you, sometimes it's hard to carry a family-run restaurant for as long as Big Bob Gibson has has made it. So um, carrying on another generation after Big Bob and Big Bob's daughter, uh, I think Don took it to a new level and, and carried on all those traditions. He's the one that introduced me to barbecue when I started working at, at Big Bob Gibson. So, um, so without a doubt, he has been the most successful barbecue that I've been around, especially daily. And I've got to see him work. And uh, so, so yeah, yeah, it's close to home, but uh, yeah, he would be, he'd be the guy I'd look at. That's awesome. That's a great story. And it's just great how it's been involved in your life and the different ways that it has and the ways that it has, and it's really been, been great to watch. So what, in terms of competition barbecue, what do you think the future of it is? You know, I hope the future is bright for it. You know, it's not only about the competition. It, it's it's a hobby. It's it's about, uh, you know, it's about the people. It's about, again, it's why I go to the American Royal. It's, it's what friends do on the weekend, you know, and take that away. 
how am I ever going to, uh, you know, visit my friends in California or Iowa or Kansas City or, uh, you know, we won't have that meeting place without competition barbecue. So I think it would take a lot from my life. It would take a lot from, you know, everybody's life that, you know, into competition barbecue. So, so yeah, I think it's always going to be there. It's always got a bright future. Um, Maybe there'll be, uh, there always will be twists and turns (laughs) with uh, sanctioning bodies and, uh, and different avenues of, of the competition. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to a strong future. That's great. I want to go back to something you said earlier and that you're not a temperature probe guy and you're not a, you're more of a gut feeling cook. And how do you relate to those feelings when something's telling you like, maybe I should pull this off or maybe this leads a little more time. What's the process that you go through? I think a lot of gut feeling is, is doing it so much. A lot of it's more instinct. It is more, you're making decisions that aren't even conscious decisions. Um, and, and when I'm teaching somebody or talking about barbecue, some that's, sometimes that's difficult for me to convey and that, you know, I know it, I know it has to be done. I know it has to be done then. Um, but I've always got to remember, I've got to express that to whoever I'm talking with uh, on why. <laughs> when, when, you know, I don't really know why it's more instinct because of repetition um you know and it and it goes in the restaurant it's the same way you know you open the pit you don't i don't really use internal meat thermometers in the in the restaurant because you know it's a feel thing sight thing you know it's a smell thing you just you know push the brisket or push the pork butt with your fingers and you know that it's done it's definitely more of a feel thing for me you know, in competition, you have to, you have to, you know, get that perfect internal temperature um, with especially some of your small cuts. But just like in competition, you know, a lot of these guys um, or a lot of these uh, people that cook a competition, uh, they don't take internal temperatures of the brisket. Uh, they go by feel on how the probe feels going into the brisket or, uh, you know, what the pork feels like when you push on it. And it comes down to they've done it a long, a long time and they've been doing it a while. They don't need to that internal temperature. So, yeah, it's a uh, it's more than it is gut, I guess you'd say. Yeah. And it's it's funny how that stuff comes to you. It's I, I just cooked three weekends in a row, which I hadn't done all year. And uh, I was explaining it to my dad the other day. He said, how did you know the ribs were good? You said they were some of the best. I was like, when I picked them up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I could just tell when I picked them up how they felt and the way they gave a little bit. And uh, I'm like, you and I tell people all the time, if you want to get better at it, cook four weekends in a row because you're really going to find out about yourself and your pit and your food. And, you know, you say and it's absolutely true, and uh, but a lot of people can relate to this. When you have that rib on the cutting board and you slice it, you know you know when you're slicing that rib how good a rack that is. So you can almost pick the rack by how it slices. You know uh, the flavor is going to you know differ a little bit, but gosh, when you hit that perfect rib and that uh, knife just sort of melts through it, but you still 
you know, you, you, you still have that bite just a little bit. Oh gosh. You know, it is. <laughs> yep. You know, that's the other <laughs> indicator too. When the knife hits it, you know, <laughs> I can slice one and be like, Nope, that one's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or you slice your brisket and you know, it's not good. So you throw the slices <laughs> in a pan and throw them directly over the firebox. <laughs> to yeah. try to get them there because you know you have uh 12 and a half minute more minutes before you have to turn it in <laughs> yep you can't ever give up that's a big part of it you know a, it. a lot of people will get to that turn in spot and they're like oh well this isn't good they'll just mail it in and there's always something more that you can do to make that piece of meat better yeah yeah absolutely use every minute use every second um uh, you know, you're not going to win without it. That's right. Well, Chris, I want to thank you for taking the time. Uh, we're now to the rapid fire question part. Um, <laughs> All right. They, these are fun, but it's also, uh, I'm, I'm excited to hear your answers on them because, because they're different and they're not all barbecue related. So, <laughs> okay, shoot. What you got for me? All right. What do you see on barbecue about barbecue on social media that upsets or bothers you? Mm, nothing bothers me. Nothing bothers you. That's amazing. <laughs> what I, don't, is I, I try to stay out of the, I try to stay out of the politics and uh, you know, uh, you know, I don't I don't get on social media and just and stay on it. You know, I'm you know when I need to be and, and everything. I got a lot of balls in there, so. Uh, you yeah. don't have time for that. I, yep, that's yeah, 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 yeah. So to jump into <laughs> politics and get to upset because somebody posted something or somebody says this about barbecue or this about someone, uh, I would rather just, uh, you know, chill and have a good time. There you go. <laughs> Wise advice, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a free favorite pre, during, or post-competition meal? Wow. You know, I don't think I do enough competitions to answer this, but it's definitely not barbecue. Uh, in, <laughs> in Memphis, I would say it's like Gus's fried chicken or something when I'm, you know, uh, in middle of the week, you know, always, always eat Gus's uh, fried chicken. Um, I, I like a good sushi restaurant as well. And I'm, I'm a sucker for a good Italian restaurant. So uh, those are definitely, uh, definitely some of my favorites right there. Okay. Do you have a favorite present that you like to give to people? <laughs> say a bottle of bourbon. Yeah. That's a, yeah, let's go with bottle of bourbon. That's a great present. And it depends yeah. on the person on how nice that bottle is. <laughs> exactly. You got a you got a lot of leeway there, brother. <laughs> All right, last one, and this one's probably the hardest one. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it getting a message out to millions or billions what would it say and why it would say uh come eat at big bob gibson barbecue <laughs> um yeah and why because <laughs> <laughs> <it was customers. laughs> no i mean yeah it would be an advertisement for my restaurant i don't think i, I don't think there would be another choice you know come on now luke <laughs> what would your answer be? I don't know. This is the one that I've always asked and I've always been prepared for somebody to ask me. And I, I don't know what it would be. Uh, maybe right now is, 
it would be smile and be kind. Yeah, I think is yeah. A, no, I just think without a doubt that w- that would be a good one. It sure would not have my uh, name image likeness on it. Uh, <laughs> I think I would. Uh, yeah, I would go the big Bob Gibson route. There you go. And There's then I nothing. Can, I, once I get them there, I can smile and be kind to them then. How about that? <laughs> You're right. And there's, that's actually the best answer. It should probably be buy old Virginia smokes, new barbecue sauce. So, um. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, no, I've actually got a better one. If you ask right now, it would be big Bob Gibson barbecue help wanted. (laughs) Come join our staff. (laughs) Learn to barbecue. (laughs) Ain't that the truth? Oh, wow. Yes, it, yeah. it's it is hard for anybody to find anybody right now. It is, mm. it is it was, a problem all over the country, mm. especially in the restaurant industry. Yep, I've been in the past two months. I've been up to Maine and I've been down to Alabama, and it's the same. It is not different anywhere. So, well, I want to thank you very much for taking some time today. Uh, I think people know how to find you online. Uh, you're on Facebook. You're on Twitter as well, I believe, and Instagram. Yes, at Chris Lilly BBQ is across all all the platforms. Uh, yeah, come visit me there, or come visit me at the American Royal. I think my spot is like spot is like four ninety nine, or right around there at the American Royal. But uh, yeah, I'll be out there hanging out all weekend. Cool. All right, man. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you, maybe having a drink and saying hi. Take care, Luke. Good to catch up, brother. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast, and share it out with all your friends. Also, be sure to check out the Old Virginia Smoke YouTube channel as well. We will have another episode for you next week. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Sedenka. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is a property of Old Virginia Smoke, LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2021. Yes, Old Virginia Smoke.